Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope that you all are well today. It is Wednesday, and uh, that means the SEC Men's Tournament gets started today. Bulldogs not scheduled to play until Thursday morning, so we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later in the show. Mississippi State also back in action in baseball tonight, 6 p.m. against Louisiana Lafayette and uh, I know many of you say Steve you're, you're being cruel by calling them Louisiana listen I lived in Lafayette when they fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and petitioned the state legislature to to quit being USL University of Southeastern Louisiana because they wanted to be University of Louisiana at Lafayette so that's what they wanted so that's what I'm going to call them so we're going to play the Raging Cajuns no matter what you call them what nomenclature you use is your business we'll play them Wednesday Picked up a win on Tuesday against Grambling. We'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, the, the big story, really, is Will Bednar, right? We have been very concerned about him you know, for a couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, I, I remember sitting at this very desk getting a phone call a few minutes before Mississippi State got ready to play TCU. And today, Bednar's not going to go today. He's got some stiffness in his neck. Uh, so, we're not going to have him. And then we all thought, well, does that mean he's going to throw game three? And say, well, we're TBA. Well, then is he going to throw next weekend against Tulane? Well, we don't know until we get there. And so then it began to be there began to be some concern, right? I mean, we're all like, you know, you know, listen, I've had a crick in my neck before too, and it didn't sideline me for two weeks. Now, of course, I wasn't throwing 97 miles per hour either, you know, so I wasn't doing quite the same things to aggravate any potential ailment there. But uh, yeah, I mean. I continued to hear, hey, nah, it's not anything serious. He's not going to be out an extended period of time. But still, you know, you, you hear all that kind of stuff. And I've learned if you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. But when you begin to hear those things, you begin to ask yourself, okay, hmm, is this similar to JT Ginn? Well, the one thing is JT Ginn was hurt, right? I mean, it, JT was hurt. And it was a very complicated deal, and it kind of came and went, came and went, and then eventually he ended up having to have the surgery. And and listen, God bless JT again and his family. You know, I mean, JT you know, pitched for us in Omaha and deserved to get a win in a College World Series. just didn't work out for us. But, um, you know, JT's with the Mets. I understand that he actually got the invite to spring training and then um, won't initially make the squad, the big league squad. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time before JT moves on up. Big fan of his. Really think a lot of him. Guy was a Bulldog, wanted to come here and be a Bulldog and help Mississippi State win a national championship. Just didn't work out the way we hoped, right? So a lot to talk about on, uh, you know, not as much going on, you know, sports-wise because, you know, the women are kind of sitting around hoping and praying that they get into the NCAA tournament. I know that Charlie Crane is the guy that's uh, got them as the last four in. You know, we'll see. There's some automatic qualifiers that aren't going to be in this year that ordinarily would be because they didn't play basketball this year. So, might be room for State to get in. You know, we'll see. Okay, Bulldog Burger Company, uh, listen, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about when I tell you that, you know, when you go to Bulldog Burger Company, you have to have the spring rolls. You, you just do. It, it's pretty much a requirement when you go. It will make you and everybody around you better looking. Some of you have uh, tested that hypothesis, and the people around you have said, you know what? I don't know that it made you better looking. And I think maybe they're being a little bit hateful. Go try it and see for yourself. Results may vary. Some new items on the menu there. I've shared these with you, but listen, I think it's time you become familiar with these. 
new menu items. The grilled chicken club, grilled chicken breast and Texas toast. I mean, we could stop right there, right? Grilled chicken club on Texas toast, cheddar, Monterey Jack, mayo, sassy sauce. You know the rest. It might be life-changing. I'm going to have it. I'm probably going to eat what's today, Wednesday. I'll probably have it tomorrow and then uh, report back to you guys on Friday. The tuna burger, and I understand this has been really hot for them. The tuna burger, I tuna seasoned on Old Bay, uh, sesame, bib lettuce, tomato, pickled red onion, fried wonton. That sounds delicious. I'm a tuna person. Matter of fact, had some... Uh, some tuna casserole earlier this week. And then one of the funny ones, the full of bologna, the six-ounce burger patty topped with fried bologna, cheddar, bacon, green tomato, chow chow, truffled mayo, crispy onions, and fried egg. That's an awful lot of protein. That's an awful lot of protein. And you know what? Maybe you don't want to get it on a bun. Maybe you just want to get it, you know, on a bed of lettuce or whatever. Get it how you want it. Go check it out. All your old favorites still there and some new items to choose from. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So Mississippi State took on a winless Grambling State team on Tuesday night at Duty Noble Field. We didn't expect much of a ball game. We had one for a little while. I mean, we really did. I mean, you know, you, he's like, hey, you know, you kind of look up there and you say you never felt like that we were in trouble, but it's like, guys, can we put some runs on the board? Because it's a one nothing ball game after three. And, and to, to give Grambling some credit, and listen, there's a lot of swag schools that come in here, and they got a lot of junk ball pitchers. They have some guys that can't really throw hard, and so as a result, they kind of get guys on their front feet, right? But uh, I, mean, I, I give the kids some credit, man. They had some guys that really went out there and pitched well, and it's like you begin to think, you know, maybe in their league, you know, they got a shot this year. I mean, you know, there were a couple of errors they made, but – you know, I didn't think they were a bad team. When you look at their record, you expect us to go out there and just, you know, beat them 30 to nothing, and, and uh, that didn't happen. We uh, th- we got the no-hit thing out of the way the very first hitter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there were, I had some people kind of joking around the last couple of days, hey, you know what, as bad as Grambling has been this year, we might get back-to-back no-hitters. I mean, yeah, we haven't had but uh, one since 1999, and so we're going to have another one back-to-back, right? Well, the very first hitter that Will Bednar faced doubled down the right field line on the second pitch of the game. Glad we got that out of the way so we could all just relax and enjoy the ball game, right? And then, uh, you know, Feltz decides to go to third and uh, really a great job there at third base. Cam did a great job. And uh, I, I'm, I know Cam's played enough baseball to understand about blocking the bag a little bit. And so it just so happens the Grambling runner's coming in trying to touch what is right, but Cam's foot is there on that corner, and so he has to kind of swim across with the left, and Cam gets a tag on him. To be honest with you, initially I thought he was safe. Uh, They roll him out and review it and then confirm the call, and so he's out. And then Bednar's like, okay, cool, I got this, and uh, strikes out the next two guys swinging. I really thought, well, Bednar had a lot of life on that fastball. But as Chris Lamona said in postgame, you know, his breaking stuff was excellent. His slider, and I had a chance to watch some of the video when I got out of the, the press box. That wipeout slider, man, looks like a fastball coming down the chute, and you're gearing up thinking, okay, I'm fixing to murder this thing. And that slider breaks into the other batter's box. It is absolutely ridiculous. That's why the guy was projected to be, you know, the top bulldog taken in this year's draft. 
uh, ranked ahead of Christian McLeod and Eric Sarantola uh, by many MLB draft experts. So we'll see. But uh, you know, this is a guy that throws at high velo, but also, too, has got a little more to go to it. A breaking pitch is absolutely ridiculous. And so we get out there and we get the leadoff walk, and you think, okay, here we go. Here we go, boys. Here we go. Well, we don't. We get a ground out, and then we get a fly out and a fly out. And so why it wasn't a one, two, three in, and, you know, it's no score after one. And then I thought Bednar had his best inning of work. Granted, it's his second inning of work and his final inning of work, but uh, didn't go over 2-2 to anybody. And, again, a lot of those pitches are purposeful. You get a 1-2 case swinging, you get a a 2-2 case swinging, you get a 2-2 case swinging, and the inning is over. Very efficient. And, listen, that's one thing that I love about guys that get a lot of swings and misses is that uh, they can finish hitters. There are a lot of people out there, I mean, you get in, you know, 2-2 and 3-2 counts, and then you maybe you throw your breaking ball in 2-2 and you force a full count, and you can't be quite as aggressive in your pitch selection. So next thing you know, you're having to kind of throw a guaranteed strike to kind of get somebody to put the ball in play, and hopefully the defense can make a play. But when you got guys like Will Badnar that have a rising fastball and have some good motion to their breaking stuff, and they can land it for strikes, you don't get into those predictable counts. And so when you get swings and misses, you can be a lot more pitch efficient. You don't have people running your pitch count up because that's what happens. And listen, Sarah, told us struggle with us at times too. You get in a full count and somebody fouls off five, six, seven pitches. And even if you get them, he's really kind of run you out of an inning. So uh, we get in the bottom of second, kind of the same thing. I mean, it's like we were on our front foot a lot. We just we really had a tough time with that breaking ball early on. Hancock pops out, Hatcher flies out to center, and Josh Hatcher has been murdering some baseballs. And I was talking to some of our uh, SID folks, and they're talking about analytics, about you know the, the exit velo and the launch angle that Josh has right now is just ridiculous. The problem is he's been hitting the baseball right at people, and uh, got a couple of hits tonight, but. Uh, Tanner Leggett gets in there, does some things at DH, and uh, but it's a one-two-three inning, right? So bottom of second, we don't get anything done. We bring in Dylan Carmouche. Um, I love this kid, if for no other reason that he has been sevenfolds shepherd of fire for his walkout. Love that. We finally turned it up tonight. It's it's one of those things I look at and I think, you know, guys, when you have the the gift of rock, you have to cherish it. You have to enjoy it. Rock is meant to be played at high volume. Let's get that going. So Carmouche comes in and actually ended up being your pitcher of record. He actually wins the ball game. Uh, Mac fouls out to third. Bro walks, and then we get a case swinging, case swinging. Third inning, we finally get on the board. And uh, it took a little while. Brad Cumbus, the rally starter for us, man. And Brad had a good night. I believe three hits on the night. Forsyth gets a single. And here's the thing on Lane's Forsyth. Everybody told me, hey, he is a plus defender but he is a developmental hitter. It may take a while for him to kind of adjust to college pitching. Uh, he is He's getting on base. It's, I mean, it's, almost, it's like another leadoff. He's at the bottom of the order. Next thing you know, though, he's kind of setting the table for uh, for Scotty DeBrule and those guys. So great job by Lane Forsythe so far. I don't know how you get him out of the lineup. And then Scotty DeBrule uh, grounds out on the sack bunt to move the runners across, and we're able to squeeze one across to get a one nothing lead. And I wasn't ready to panic anything, but I was like, you know, I sure would like to have some, you know, a little margin here for us to be able to relax a little bit and kind of work through that pitching plan, you know. So we bring in Riley South. He immediately gives up a single and then gets a ground out, ground out, and a K looking, and that's the Riley Self game, right? Ground ball machine. So he gets it done. We get in the bottom of four, 
And, uh, you know, we're again, we're still not able to kind of get things going here. We, we ground out. We get the, sing, the single from Hancock. He absolutely blistered that baseball. Hatcher gets on, on an error, and he hit the ball hard. He didn't have much to show for it. Again, kind of a tough luck deal with him because he is uh, – you know, swinging the bat as well as he is, but uh, you know, had a tough day on Saturday. But uh, by and large, Josh has hit some missiles, and then uh, we get we got a couple guys on, and we hit into double play. So finally, in the fifth, you know, we bring in Casey Hunt, and it's another one-two-three inning. We get back in there, and this is where we kind of elongate the game and kind of put things away. Compass again, the rally starter. We talked about that before about Brad, you know Brad last Wednesday against Southern Miss hit an absolute tank that nearly left the yard. And Lamona said in postgame, you know what, we probably should have pinch hit there because Brad's not a great leadoff guy. Well, here he is again, leading off the fifth, being a rally starter. Single through the left side, Forsyth singled. It's a bunt deal, and they throw the ball away. The both runners go to second, third, and DeBrule doubles them in. It's a 3 0 ball game. Rowdy Jordan then doubles DeBrule in, so they're trading spaces. And then Tanner Allen hits a, a tank job out there to center field. Thought the center fielder was going to have a chance to make a play on it. He did not. That brings you out to a 6 nothing ball game. And at this point, I think everybody figured, you know, the way we're pitching it right now and uh, as anemic as they've been offensively, this ball game is over. We bring in Xavier Lovett. He kind of, you know, f- struggled a little bit with that first hitter and then kind of settled down. He did get the, um, you know, did get the K there. Or pardon me, he got the ground out and then comes back with a line out and a K so, you know, a good, efficient inning for him once you get through that opening hitter. We go right back into sixth, and we're tacking on more runs. And this is the thing we talked about on Sunday, is no matter who you put in the lineup, there is the bulldog mentality to have some killer instinct. you got to find a way to put these guys away. And lo and behold, who is it leading off the inning again but Brad Cumbust? Another rally started by Brad Cumbust. That's three. Three rallies started by Cumbust being your leadoff hitter. Forsyth then walks, and then, uh, you know, we bring in Match, and uh, who is uh, playing that funky music, white boy? Love love it. Good selection, kid. Uh, Rowdy's then hit by the pitch after we load the bases there after the walk to Mesh, and uh, Rowdy's hit by the first pitch he sees, and then it's a 7 nothing ball game. Tanner Allen walks, 8 nothing ball game. We reach – on a fielder's choice here, and there's a little craziness there. It's where they, they thought they, they tried to have the one, two, three double play, couldn't get the back end of it, even though they ruled it that way initially. Uh, we get we get we get the run back later in the inning when uh, Pimentel walked. And so they kind of walked they would have walked the ballpark if we would have let them. Top of seven, you know, we have a bunch of defensive substitutions here. This is when we get deep into the bench, but um you know, we, we we bring in Parker Stinnett, 23rd pitcher of the season, and he looked outstanding, absolutely outstanding. I'd heard all fall about how good he had been, and he was a guy that was going to help us this year. And uh, he has been unavailable, and he gets out there and has his Bulldog debut, gets a K-swing and a fly out and then a K-swing. Love guys that go out there and finish hitters. There's a lot of people that go out there and just kind of fish and fish and fish and fish and fish and fish. Go get them. Attack the hitter, and we did. We pick up another run in the seventh. Uh, McGowan uh, is hit by the pitch, and then kind of works his way around, you know, courtesy of uh, you know a single and a walk, and then uh, you know scores to make it ten nothing, which really put the game away. And so, just hit a few highlights here. You know, again, 
this was not a hyped up ball game. It's just not one everybody expected, you know, kind of expected this outcome. I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't get so lopsided that, uh, you know, it's like sometimes you're there forever in a day and the game just kind of drags on. I thought we managed the game pretty well. But looking at some uh, some numbers here for you, and it's the same lineup as Sunday. But, I mean, we, basically, you know, we, we got a different DH in there, and then, you know, Logan Tanner we had the day off even though he pinch hit late. But, uh, you know, just kind of look at the numbers here. Rowdy Jordan, uh, one hit, but gets uh, three RBIs on a couple of runs, scored himself. Tanner Allen, four ribbies, one hit, one run. He's got it's hitting some hitting some baseballs hard too. Cam James 0 for three today. Luke Hancock one for two. A lot of people pitching around Luke Hancock. They're determined to make somebody else beat him. Uh, Josh Hasher hit the ball hard two out of three times. Got one hit to show for it. Uh, and then there's Brad Cumbus down there three for three, three for three for Big Brad with three runs scored. Put him at leadoff coach. Uh, Lane Forsyth two for three with a couple runs scored too. And so again, that's the bottom third of your order getting things done for you. You've heard me say on this show many times, you know, teams that get, you know, 500 or better record out of their Sunday starter and then get production out of the bottom third of the order, go to Omaha. And it doesn't matter who you're playing, doesn't matter the circumstance, you know, but if you can get if you can get those two things to happen, you're in really good shape. So we took care of Grambling, and uh, it was a very busy night of traffic in the SEC. Looking around the league here, just to kind of give you guys an update. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. 
Be sure and check them out. Tacovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Uh, you know, I do that weekly column, you know, to kind of wrap up the week. But uh, it's fun to kind of keep up with, especially these midweek games. Some people will tell you they don't mean anything. I, I, I disagree. Uh, Kentucky beats Western Kentucky 6-5. Tennessee shut out on the road at Charlotte 9-0. That, that's a bit of a surprise. Uh, Georgia goes to Georgia Southern and wins 5-2. Vanderbilt takes down Memphis at home 10-4. Florida beats Georgia State. And Georgia State's got like a half dozen or so Wins over ranked teams. I think it's five now. But uh, Florida takes them down five to one. And then uh, Alabama beats South Alabama 11-8. Auburn beats UAB 6-5. Of course, State beats Grambling 10 to nothing. LSU comes from behind to beat Texas Southern 10 to four. Ole Miss against Alcorn State 11 to one game there. And then A&M wins at Texas A&M Corpus Christi or against them uh, seven nothing. So, you know, pretty predictable day I guess you could say but uh, a lot of games a lot of games being played and you know Mississippi State's got five to play this week and so we need to have a big week so the first one is taken care of kind of looking ahead to tomorrow night and we're going to preview Louisiana Lafayette a little bit later in the show but um, just kind of looking ahead you know to tomorrow night's schedule it's not as busy as it was on Tuesday but it is a pretty you know pretty big deal uh, Missouri's at St. Louis. Both of those teams are struggling. I could see St. Louis with the Billikens winning that game. Stetson is at Florida. South Carolina at the Citadel. Jacksonville State at Alabama. Jacksonville State, a midweek game. Mm. And then, uh, of course, UL's at Mississippi State. LSU is at UNO. And Prairie View at Texas A&M. So, busy week in midweek baseball for, uh, for the SEC programs uh, for certain. And so, again, I'm really excited about you know, this team, and it's one of those things, too, just watching Bednar pitch today, and I was even transcribed at his interview. I wrote a you know, post-game interview with with Will Bednar. I got a couple quotes in Lamontis, too. But you begin to think about, you know, look, as, as good as we've pitched it, you know, on the weekends out of the bullpen, you know, what if we can get somebody to go out there and give us five innings as a starter and just kind of slow this game down a little bit and give us a chance to shorten the game and I get out there and walk a bunch of people. And so all of a sudden you start thinking, you know, wow, look at us. Look at where we are right now, you know, nine and three. And we don't have our weekend rotation settled. And so if you get into this week and you begin, you get Bednar back, and let's say you get C-Mac or, and or Sarantola on track, and you stick with Jackson Fristo, I mean, goodness gracious, you got, you got the makings of a, of a great rotation. I mean, it's almost an embarrassment of riches when you think about all the pitches we have, and not everybody's lived up to their expectations at this point. But there are some real options there. And, again, Mississippi State doesn't have to be patient with some of these guys because there's so many guys behind them that are capable of getting in and, and throwing beginnings. And so when you begin to look at, okay, Bednar is on track, 
He's had two outings so far. He's been absolutely dominant. I think I wrote this earlier. Uh, he has faced nine hitters and struck out seven of the nine. Now, does that mean that he's going to start on Sunday? No, it doesn't. And Chris uh, Lamontos told us in postgame that he they do expect him to go a couple innings this weekend. You kind of got to ramp him up. You know, they shut him down for a week. Then he comes back, and then he gets the one inning. The day he gets two. You know, maybe you see him two or three innings this weekend, and then you put him in line to start possibly against LSU down in Baton Rouge to open up SEC play. And so those are the things that get me excited. I think, you know what, I, I really believe in Jackson Fristo. He's proven to be our most reliable uh, SEC, or weekend starter. I know what I got in Landon Sims. I know what I got in Brandon Smith. And so if I can just get somebody out there to give me four or five innings and get it to the bullpen, I got a chance to go win those series because I, I really believe Jackson Fristo is going to keep you in a lot of stuff. And that guy's stuff is electric. And so I get really excited thinking about that. You know, we had kind of accepted, okay, well, let's, what if there's life without Will Bednar? What do we do, right? What if Christian McLeod doesn't come back in the form? And so we as Mississippi State folks always kind of jump to the worst-case scenario. And now all of a sudden you look at it and say, you know what? What if C-Mac comes back this Friday and he's dealing? And all of a sudden you throw Bednar out there in a week or so, and then he's dealing, and you got Fristo dealing. And then maybe Sarantolos comes out of relief. Maybe he goes to midweek. I don't know. But I know that all of a sudden you can get healthy in a hurry with Will Badnar coming back and uh, playing and pitching up to his potential. I think that's exciting. Today's top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber. I've known Robert a long time. Dr. Yarber has been in the ear, nose, and throat business for as long as I can remember. Part of a great family of musicians, musicians, physicians, the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. I'm sorry, Doc. You can go by and check. That's how you know this show is, uh, you know, it's imper- imperfect because I'm imperfect. But uh, if you want a perfect solution to your problems, you go see Dr. Robert Yarbrough. Listen, there's no point continuing to kind of labor through and kind of soldier on all these sinus problems. You know, there's some people it's like it's a chronic issue. And so if you're having that sinus pain, you got those bags around your eyes, it's just something you can't shake. Rather than try to treat it yourself with over-the-counter medication, go by and see Dr. Yarber. Make an appointment today. Stop dealing with all that stuff. That's why you have doctors. Instead of trying to handle all this stuff yourself, you know, trust the experts. That's the thing when you begin to break this thing down. These people work really hard to make sure that you're taken care of. Dr. Yarber has two locations to serve you right here in Starkville at 910 Stark Road. And then at 618 Pegram Drive there in Tupelo, one number to call, one number, 662-844-6513, 662-844-6513. Dr. Robert Yarborough, again, with the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. The first thing I want to share with you guys, too, is that uh, we have a new number one of our top 10 Spotify list. If you, if you were looking for the Spotify list, Go to Dogmatic, that's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. That's Roy Samante's Spotify. He is the one that collects all this, and we distribute it out to the, you guys. And uh, Roy shares with me late tonight that uh, U2 has taken over the number one spot. That really surprises me, to be honest. I thought it would do well. I didn't think it would go to number one. So it is now number one on the most listened to top ten list. So I've got a list today. I don't know if it'll go number one. 
I think it's a really cool list, though. It's an idea I had uh, a couple of days ago. I mentioned it to Roy, and he thought, you know what? It might work out. I sent Roy the list. He goes, you know what? That's a really interesting list. So it's the top 10 debut rock singles. And I don't mean one-hit wonders. I mean, like, the, the first song that was released as a single from some classic rock bands that cover a lot of years and a lot of genres here. I mean, they're rock, but there's some alternative rock here. There's some classic rock. There's some 70s rock. And so we're talking, you know, 40 years of rock music. Debut singles from some of the greatest bands that have played rock music in the last four decades. So here we go. Debut single, number one. Number 10 on the list. If you like a little punk... You know these guys. It's the Ramones. Their debut single, believe it or not, was Blitzkrieg Bop. They still play that song. Everybody's covered that. Speaking of iconic songs from iconic band, who knew that Anarchy in the UK was the debut single from the Sex Pistols? I didn't know that. And I I know a lot about Sid Vicious and those guys and Johnny Rotten. But how about that? Anarchy in the UK, one of the iconic punk songs of all time. And it's interesting we start with two punk bands to start this list. That's the last of the punk bands. Okay, so two of the greatest of all time for sure. Number eight, debut single from Led Zeppelin, Good Times, Bad Times. You know I've had my share. Great track. And again, kind of a kind of a deep track for them at times you know it doesn't get played on the radio as much as it did but that was the first one that was the first one that kind of broke them through moving to some alternative rock of the 90s i bought this album could not wait to go get it i can't even remember the name of the radio station hattiesburg that played rock music back in those days but the first time i heard this i said i'm going to get that and i did and it's supersonic from oasis I recently watched that documentary, and it's it's almost heartbreaking to watch. It's like you see that they go to being like the biggest band in the world, and they could have no life, and then they begin to hate each other. It's funny how success does that to people. Number six, one of your favorite bands, and it's the song Alive from Pearl Jam. So right there in the middle of, right middle of our list there, we kind of get into some, some 90s alternative, and A lot of people believe that Pearl Jam is the best band of the 1990s. I happen to agree with that um, in many respects. You know, my favorite band from that era is Soundgarden. But I have to admit that Pearl Jam probably had a little more crossover appeal, a lot because of the song Jeremy. And then, of course, when you get into, you know, Vitology and you get into, um, you know, Daughter, Yell, Ledbetter, and things like that. There were a lot of songs that were a little more radio-friendly than perhaps what Soundgarden was producing. But uh, Pearl Jam's Alive really pulled a lot of people into that that band. Number five, the the debut single from one of America's greatest rock bands, and it's Take It Easy from the Eagles. You know, of course, as they progressed and you added Joe Walsh and other guys, you got a little little thicker, you know, with the sound. It wasn't quite as... uh, you know, Southern, I guess you could say, even though they were from California, they kind of played Southern rock, but uh, they got a lot more rock as they went along. But it all started with Take It Easy. And if I'm not mistaken, it's a Glenn Fry song. Number four, one of the iconic performers of our time, going all the way back to Woodstock, it's Jimi Hendrix's Hey Joe. Great blues tune, 
And uh, anytime we can work Jimi Hendrix into the list, it's a good thing. And you know what, Roy? We, we Maybe we should do a Jimi Hendrix list. I don't think we have. I'm almost positive we hadn't done a Jimi Hendrix list. But um, I love Jimi. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. I can think of so many great things that Jimi did that kind of changed music. I, I contend to you that one of the first rap songs was actually a Jimi Hendrix song. A lot of people would say, well, see, what are you talking about? Crosstown Traffic is like a classic rock song. The, 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 the hyped-up bass drums, it's all mic'd up, and uh, just the tempo in that song is just different. Crosstown Traffic, I'm telling you, kind of paved the way for some rap stuff. I won't be, I won't, I'll, I'll down this hill. Uh, number three, we have done a top ten list from this band, and it's Boston, W single, More Than a Feeling. And who, who, who knew? My goodness, when you think about one of the greatest rock songs of the of the of the decade and probably of the of the century is the very first song and they went on to have mega hits but it's like that that's the one song you say okay what's what's the boston song that's the boston song number two i remember where i was when i heard this for the first time because it came out when i was in high school and it's walk under the jungle from guns and roses I went out the very next day, went to Bebop Record Shop uh, there in right near North Park Mall there in Ridgeland, and I went and bought the cassette the very next day. And then I think all I did was listen to Welcome to the Jungle about the first 50 times. And then um, next thing you know, I listened to that first side, and you you find Night Train and others, and then you flip it over and you find, uh, you know, My Michelle and others. And every song on that album felt like a single. It was an iconic album, but it all started with Welcome to the Jungle. That is still played. That's played at Duty Noble Field in the uh, mid-sixth. But the number one debut rock single, in my mind of all time, is Dream On by Aerosmith. It's crazy to think about that, that what an iconic song on the very first album. And that's one of the things people say, you know, you have your whole life to write your first album. You've got about six months to a year to write your second one. That's why they have the sophomore slump. But who knew that Steven Tyler and Joe Perry and those guys would, would be able to kind of crank this song out. It is an iconic song that is one of the greatest songs in American music history. Dream On, way back in 1972, if I'm not mistaken. So that's today's top 10 list. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out let me know. I've had a few people reach out and got some good ideas for some lists. And so we'll work through those in the next couple of weeks. I enjoy hearing from you guys. Many of you guys kind of forget. And you think, hey, I'd love to hear this or we'd love to do that. We've already done it. you know. And sometimes we go back and do them again. But um, very rarely do we do. There's, there's a lot of music out there we can get to. I like it when we can come up with a list like this a little more diverse. Because sometimes you know, I pick a band like I picked The Doors. And I was thinking you guys would dig it. You didn't really dig it. Like of all the classic rock bands, The Doors did the worst. And uh, there was a time I wasn't into The Doors either. But uh, I like these lists, and we can use multiple bands just because I think it pulls people in. I think it's a great list. I love their list on Monday too. So I think we're on a pretty good groove now with the top ten lists. But, if you, again, if you have ideas, reach out let me know. I could always use the idea. Find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. You know, many Americans kind of survived during the quarantine and the COVID shutdown on credit cards. They did. Not passed any judgment. I'm going to sit here and say, you know what, that was a mistake. I mean, people did what they had to do. You got to get the bills paid. I mean, there's only so much stimulus checks to go around. Not everybody got one. 
So you had to do what you had to do to survive and feed the family. Well, now you've got this mountain of credit card debt, and you're kind of wondering, what are we going to do now? Are we ever going to be able to get out of this? Does this COVID quarantine thing, does this become a lifelong deal for us? Will we be stuck making minimum payments? Let me tell you this. No. Your answers are at Upstart. Upstart.com forward slash Boneyard. Go there today. They'll be happy to work with you, and you almost get instant approval. Very, very quick approval, and it's just smarter interest rates. Get off that revolving credit card ratio, right? It's designed to keep you in debt. Find a way to get out of debt, and this is what Upstart will do for you. You can work through this and kind of consolidate, hopefully consolidate some of those bills down to one, one monthly payment. Rather than just paying a minimum to multiple lenders out there, and, and then all of a sudden you get the statement back the next month, and the majority of your payment went to interest. You're not even really driving the principal down. Get off the hamster wheel. Let the folks at Upstart help you today. Upstart.com forward slash Boneyard. Based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. All right, let's get into uh, kind of previewing. UL, right? I mean, it's uh, the game's here. I mean, it's, it's Wednesday, so we're going to play ball here in a little while. This is a good Louisiana team. And uh, listen, this is a quality midweek game for us. It's like we look at the schedule and you say, you know what, there's five games, we should win them all. Of the five games, this is probably the most difficult. Those are the things that I look at and I think, you know what, we, we had a rough RPI deal, right? We, we we played Grambling, and listen, the RPI is going to be somewhat de-emphasized this year because so many people, because of the fact that due to COVID cancellations and things like that, a lot of people scheduled more regionally. And so for us, that meant not getting Oregon State to do Noble Field. And so we had to pick up some other teams. And so this is a, a chance for us to go get a decent RPI win. That's why I think the Kent State was so important last weekend for us. Uh, but yeah, this UL team is a team that's got. They get. They'll be in a regional somewhere. They're currently nine and four. It's crazy to think about this. They're nine and four. We're eight and three. It will be on e, uh, SEC Network Plus. So those of you that have the app, be, be sure and check that out. It's going to be lefty versus lefty matchup. Houston Harding will go from Mississippi State. Had an outstanding start against Southern Miss. And then Austin Perrin will go for uh, for you for the Cajuns. Uh, again, left-handed guy. Been around a little while, I guess. Junior left-handed pitcher from Hanville High School down there in Booty. You guys know where that is. It's right that 310 spur right there right before you get to New Orleans. He missed all of the 2020 season uh, with an injury. Kind of rounding back into form. Uh, back in 19, uh, he led the team in innings thrown and put a 4-5 and five record together with a 4.52 ERA, uh, put a couple saves together too. Uh, had a really good game against Arkansas State where he went seven innings of shutout baseball, striking out six. And so this is a guy, too, that's kind of been around for a little while. And, and listen, was a perfect game, honorable mention, All-American guy uh, out of high school. So, again, it's a left-handed guy that can change speeds. And so – you know, that always kind of keeps you off balance. And so this is going to be a guy that we, we expect to come out there and, and probably keep this game down a little bit. You know, we're hopeful that uh, Houston Harding can continue to kind of pitch as he has. And, and 
you know, he's had three outings this year, and the last two have been outstanding, and uh, was really proud of his effort last weekend against Southern Miss. We're going to need a similar effort this week. And a lot of people have said, you know what, Steve, if we continue to have struggles with McLeod, do we move Harding to the weekend so we can have a left-handed presence? That's always a possibility. Because, listen, you know, Chris Lamontis and Scott Fox all don't have to sit here and, and suffer. You know, there's, there's so many options you have. Uh, looking at Austin Perrin's numbers for this year, he has appeared in five games, four in relief, one start, um, and, and has not pitched much at all. So it's pro- I expect him to be kind of an opener, I guess you would say. Uh, five walks against eight strikeouts, not a lot of swing and miss stuff there. It's faced 22 guys, has, has not allowed an extra base hit. So that's something to kind of look at too. Uh, just a couple of hits allowed against him. So he's a guy that, uh, again, I expect him to go two or three innings, and then we'll kind of see how things progress after that. But this is a chance for us to get a nice RPI win. We need to do that. Kind of looking at their schedule here, too. It's not like they have just been hiding, okay? This is a team that took two out of three uh, from Tulane at Tulane. They lose the Friday game to Olthoff just like we did a 3-2 ball game, and then they win a couple of very competitive games, 9-8, 9-7. They take down Tech 2-0, and then they lose to LSU 11-2 at home. Then they sweep the series from Rice, and Rice is not what Rice used to be. I mean, that's just the reality of life. They take another one from Tech, and then they lose to McNeese last Wednesday uh, 4-3. And then over the weekend, they take two of three from Houston Baptist there in Lafayette. So, it's not like that they've been kind of getting by on playing, you know, you know, Sisters of the Poor and the Louisiana School of Math and Science. I mean, they're able to get out there and play ball and uh, have played some teams that, uh, you know, we're expecting to do some good things. I know Tech is hosting Arkansas this weekend. I still believe Tech's going to take a game in that series. I think I'm mistaken. We told you guys a couple of days ago that that was in Arkansas. It's at Louisiana Tech. I think Tech's got a chance to take one from Arkansas. So if we can take care of business this week, for what that's worth, we could be number one next week. Just saying, not that it means anything in the month of March. It's still, if they're going to rank them, I'd love to be number one. We've been number one a lot of times. But, um, you know, in my mind, this UL game is going to be the most difficult one, you know, know, for us of the week. Because when you look up and down this order here and kind of look at the statistics right now too, you know, this is, there's not a lot of just outs in the lineup. There's not other things you just look at this and say, okay, well, this is, you know, the second half of that order is just trash. Uh, that's just not the case. You know, we're going to have to go out there and pitch it really well. Uh, let's see here. They hadn't updated stats in a little while here on their on their website. I don't know why that is. I don't know. That's one of those things that kind of you look at and say, okay, listen, this is the stats as of February 21st, 2021. You think everything is digitized, so how does this stuff happen? You know, how do we not have this correct, guys? And so I think we've I think we've got it figured out now. Let's see. Yeah, I think here we go. We found it under the uh, another another tab here. So Carson Rocaforte is hitting 370. Started 11 and 13 games. Got a home run, nine RBIs. This is a guy that's banging the ball around the yard a little bit here. Ben Fitzgerald hitting 350, 350, 14 hits, five doubles, a couple of dingers, five RBIs. Tyler Robertson, no relation. Hitting 281, has started all 13 games, 16 hits, couple dingers, six RBI. Team leading home runs goes to Connor Kemple, who's got three home runs and four ribbies, hitting 262. So, you know, there's just a lot of guys on here you look at this and begin to think, okay, 
this is a veteran ball club and this is a program that that you know that they're used to winning down there you know it's they're no longer just that other school in louisiana you know ul people forget ul went to omaha wasn't too terribly long ago but this is a program that um you know they've kind of gotten bound you know no understanding that lsu can't sign all the great players in the state and of course tulane's done a decent job down there as well but UL scares me a little bit. If we don't come up and go play our, up to our potential, we're going to be in a bad, a bad way. I do like the fact that we're at home. And don't forget, there's a 1,000 general admission tickets and a pretty decent crowd on Tuesday uh, against Grambling, and that's against a winless opponent. So going to be, be a better ball game on Wednesday. So for all of you students that uh, don't have anything to do, please come to Duty Noble. We're going to need you tomorrow night. We really are. We're going to have to go out there and play well. We're going to need the crowd to be into it. And uh, take advantage of those general admission tickets because if you buy a GA ticket, you can go sit in the grandstand. And then if somebody comes and you're in their seat, you just you don't have to feel all uncomfortable. You've got everybody's permission to just find an unused seat. So go check that out. Come out. A lot of people have said, you know, Steve, I'd love to be able to sit in the grandstand. I don't know what to do. I can't make it to a ball game. Listen, it's okay to let the kids – you know, sleep on a car ride home. Let's come to the ball game tomorrow night. We really need you to be there. Because I really think this UL team is capable of uh, of coming here and beating us at our place. I, I do think that we're an Omaha team, and these are the games that we have to win. But uh, I think these are these are the games, too, to kind of get your attention. When, when, you, when you get to the end of the season, you look back and say, man, look how well UL did in their league. And you start thinking about, you know, Kent State. We, we, we have played against the – preseason AAC pitcher of the year in Olthoff and then we have faced off against the, the Max preseason pitcher of the year in uh, Luke Albright so we have seen some dudes we're not going to see a dude tomorrow night though you know we ought to be able to you know hopefully kind of get over the hump there but um, this is a guy too that's been around a little while attended pitcher and so those guys tend to give us some troubles on midweek games it seems so we got to be at our best Really need a big crowd there if we can get you guys to be there with us. If you were unaware, the Southeastern Conference announced its men's basketball awards on yesterday. And uh, you got a Bulldog in the mix there. How about that? Let me run down the first team stuff for you because it's not like it used to be. It's it's still prestigious to have anything. This is all SEC. But it's not like it's five players anymore. I mean, you got you know basically nine, ten players making the first and second team. But your first team, all SEC, Herbert Jones from Alabama, John Petty Jr. from Alabama, Moses Moody from Arkansas, Trey Mann from Florida, Cameron Thomas from LSU, Devontae Shuler from Ole Miss, Drew Smith from Mizzou, and Scotty Pippen Jr. from Vandy. On the second team, that's where you got a Bulldog, Jaden Shackelford from Alabama, Colin Castleton from Florida, Severe Wheeler from Georgia, Javante Smart from LSU, Trenton Watford for LSU, DJ Stewart from Mississippi State, Jeremiah Tillman from Mizzou, A.J. Lawson, from South Carolina. Uh, making the all-defensive team, Abdul will do. They only picked uh, five players to make that list, and he made it. So that's where we are. So a couple Bulldogs get some all-SEC honors, even in the year that we're going to you know, have to really work hard here and win a ball game late uh, to have a winning record. Let's look at the bracket, shall we? It all gets started Wednesday night, Texas A&M against Vanderbilt, that's a 12 versus 13 deal right there. And then we'll turn around and play the first thing, the first game on Thursday 
State versus Kentucky. And uh, this is not a great Kentucky team. We knew that when we lost to them, too, though. Considering how we lost that game, I would be chomping at the bit if I was a Bulldog basketball player and or coach to have a second shot at Kentucky. We choked that game away. We did. We blew it. And that's something that's kind of hung over our heads. If we had won that game, it might be a different day and time today for us. So I won't be the least bit surprised if we win that ball game. Kentucky's 9-15, and 8-9 in the league. We're 14-13, and 8-10 in the league. And again, Kentucky kind of beat themselves up early on playing against some competition they had no business playing in. Uh, Florida gets the, um, you know, the bye, I guess you could say. Well, they're going to wait, await the winner to play the play-in game, I guess you could say, that, that, that Wednesday night game. They'll get the winner of A&M Vanderbilt. And then uh, the night games are interesting. Georgia against Mizzou, that could be really, 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 really cute. I mean, I mean, it really could. You know, Missouri is so, uh, you know, Jack and Hyde, you never know who they're going to get. But, um, you know, there were times that people thought that they might be the second best team in the SEC, and then they ended up middle of the pack. Uh, your nightcap, which could be played as late as midnight, I guess, because these games always seem to run behind, is South Carolina at Ole Miss. Ole Miss should handle that. South Carolina has not played well at all, but that should be a game that Ole Miss wins and advances. The winner of the Mississippi State-Kentucky game will play Alabama in the morning on Friday. You know, we've had a couple of cracks at them, and we have made this thing awfully interesting. I almost get to the point, I bet Alabama might want to see Kentucky more than they want to see us. You know, could the third time be the charm? I mean, what happens if State gets in this thing and wins a couple ball games, right? I mean, goodness gracious, wouldn't that be great? And I'm not going to say we're not capable of doing it. We are. Now, apart from the course is we win a game and then lose a game. But, uh, you know, Ben's, I guess, won a game in the SEC tournament three years in a row. You've had plenty of time to get ready. Tennessee will play the winner of that Florida game against the play-in winner, you know, A&M and Vandy. And then Arkansas will play the Georgia-Mizzou winner. And then LSU will await the uh, South Carolina and Ole Miss winner. That's, that's going to be Ole Miss, right? So – that's kind of where things stand. I'm not as jazzed about it, I guess, as I have been in recent years. Because, like, some years I'll just sit in and watch every game. Uh, I'm, I'm so much more in tune with baseball right now that uh, I'm kind of looking forward to having Thursday off to watch the Mississippi State men play. But I'm not going to sit there all day long to watch basketball. I just – and maybe I'm fair-weathered. But it's like, you know, when, when the SEC baseball tournament is being played, I, I mean, I'm – Either I'm covering the game or I'm watching the games because I love I love watching it. I guess I'm kind of feast and famine when it comes to basketball. I mean, I love to be able to watch it when we're good. When we're not as good, I'm just not as interested. I'm, I'm, why do I want to watch other teams win? If we're not going to win, you know, I'm not going to sit around and watch other teams play. I'm going to watch us play, win or lose, and then – but I'm not going to spend the rest of my evening sitting around watching, you know, Tennessee and Georgia play. I just don't care. Baseball, it's different for me. Football, it's different for me. Maybe different from you. Maybe you love SEC basketball. I, I don't. I get tired of Kentucky winning all the time, so I've kind of enjoyed this year. I just hate the fact that this week Kentucky team beat us in our own gym. So we'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, one of the things that I get excited about, too, when I think about this group and begin to think about, you know, what could, what could come next year. You know, if we can, if we can, you know, kind of get through the draft unscathed, there's, you know, DJ Stewart's going to have a decision to make. If we can get him back, 
I think we've got a chance to be a much better team next year. I don't just mean a little bit better. I really do think we have a chance to make the dance next year. It's going to be interesting to see what we do at the five. We've got some players coming back I think we can feel good about. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsor of the show. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. Everybody up there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. And you should feel like family. Because when you go in there and look to buy gifts for your Bulldog family, they're going to be have more selection, better pricing than just about anybody else. You're going to love it when you go in there. And if you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to shop online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. the uh, I don't spend a lot of time keeping up with bracketology because it changes so much. I mean, I don't know, I don't know a job, but you have it. You know, you change all your predictions every single day and you're still considered an expert. But when it comes to the women's bracketology, I've kept up with that really close. And Charlie Cream has been on top of it. I don't know if he has an inside source on a selection committee or perhaps ESPN has fed information, but he's right. Now, as of now, Charlie has the Lady Bulldogs in. We are the last four in, actually the third of four teams in the last four in. So he has us in the field. Now, we don't have any more games to play to win or lose to help or hurt our seeding. But there is some, there's some room there. It's a little wiggle room, I guess you could say. But, and this list was updated uh, moments ago, to be honest with you. It was updated on, on March the 10th. And so we're still kind of hanging in there in that last four in deal. Now, kind of looking at where he has this bracket working out, as uh, Mississippi State is an 11 seed against Oregon. That's okay. You know, if we make the field, we make the field. And that's what I want. I mean, I think at this point, it's the best we can hope for. If we can make the field and then kind of see where things go. And if we play Oregon, we play Oregon. And if they beat us, they beat us. But, um, as I shared with you guys on the last show, I'd rather end my season with a loss in an NCAA tournament than send it, end it at home sitting on the couch watching the NCAA tournament. And that's kind of what we're faced with. And uh, listen, I don't know how the rest of this thing shakes out, but, you know, when I was kind of looking around here, I know some people thought that uh, maybe Ole Miss had kind of stole Mississippi State's bid. You know, they won the game in the tournament. We didn't. But, um, you know, according to the projections that I'm looking at right now, unless I'm overlooking that, I don't see Ole Miss in the field. And, again, I trust Charlie as the expert here. And so despite the fact that Ole Miss had a little bit of a better year, uh, especially down the stretch, the fact that we make the dance and they don't, and we extend the winning streak, we only played the one game against them, which we won. And I, I still think we'd have beat them in Oxford. I really do. I think I – think, we got we took our foot off the gas against them in Starkville. That game was really in control, and we kind of blew it late. And I listen, give Coach Yo and her team a lot of credit. Uh, they didn't quit, and so I can fully appreciate the fact that they're playing at a different level. Now there is some women's basketball news to report. In case you haven't heard, Zaria Wiggins in the NCAA transfer portal that was announced uh, late Tuesday evening. A Virginia Beach, Virginia native. I have no clue what she's going to do. I know that she came in highly heralded and has kind of been, you know, I guess that sixth or seventh woman, uh, you know, first or second player off the bench. 
you know, she's had at times played with some real toughness. I don't think she has been as offensively proficient as we had hoped, but uh, a very skilled athlete. You know, if you remember, she got here. She's a little bit banged up for a while, but uh, kind of a fan favorite, I guess, in many respects. She has not played uh, substantial minutes in a while. And uh, kind of looking at these numbers here, I'm going to run these things down for you because we forget. You know, a lot of people kind of check that on women's hoops and see. You just remember her playing, you know, a good bit as a reserve for Vic. But uh, she played eight minutes against LSU uh, last week in the SEC tournament. Attempted one shot. That's it. Uh, Played 25 minutes on senior day, and then that's her most substantial action this year. 25 minutes, the most she's played, uh, you know, in the year 2021 in league play she played 11 against LSU 3 against Auburn 1 against Alabama 7 against Arkansas South Carolina she played 12 A&M she did have 22 and so it was like at the beginning of conference play you know she was getting you know 16 to 20 type minutes you know good reserve quality type minutes but uh, not a lot of offensive production just I mean that's just the reality of it I mean uh, I don't think she had a double digit scoring game the whole year and in most games uh, she posted a goose egg. And so, you know, we wish her the best. Hope she finds a place that, um, you know, will allow her to, you know, to kind of, you know, achieve her goals and uh, get her degree academically. And listen, there's no hard feelings on our side. I mean, we wish it would have worked out better. But you only get a short time in your life to play ball. And so if you don't think that this is going to work out for you and you'd be better off somewhere else with a, you know, a different offensive set or whatever, then that's what you need to go do. Uh, Zaria, season high this year, nine points. Nine points uh, against Alabama. So that's kind of where we are. And as I've told you guys on the show before, we're going to have others leave. And it's going to be for the betterment of the program. And maybe even for the betterment of the player too. And I don't have any ill will on those that leave. Well, let me take that back. I don't have any ill will on those that leave in the right way. You know, if you just want to leave because, you know, you feel like, you know what, this I tried it, it didn't work out, I need to go somewhere else that I can play, the system doesn't work for me, or it's too far from home, whatever, I get it. You know, if, if you leave because you're out there, you know, looking for impermissible benefits, uh, I kind of got a problem with that. That's not the case in women's basketball, obviously. But uh, I say obviously. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there to cut corners, but I'm not suggesting any of our players would leave for those reasons. But there are going to be more players leave. You know, we're going to a bit of a culture shift now. And, and listen, how, how great would it be for us to be able to go win the, win a game in a tournament? Let's make the tournament and we go upset somebody. You know, it, it, hey, it's great. I do think it's rather interesting that Zaria Wiggins goes in the portal before the NCAA tournament. She's already in there. And maybe she's trying to beat the rush. You know, so maybe she's thinking, you know what, I'm not playing anyway. And so I'll just go ahead and make the call now and kind of get my name out there. So while everybody else is kind of playing and practicing for the tournament, I can be talking to schools. I don't know her line of thinking there, but I do wish her the best. But uh, I do find it interesting that you wouldn't at least go out there and play in the NCAA tournament. And maybe there's more to this story that we don't know. You know, maybe her and the coaches have sat down and said, you know what, this just isn't for me. And if that's the case, again, there's no hard feelings, you know. You do what you feel like you got to do, young lady. You got one life to live. But I did like her. I did like her. I thought she was a great person and uh, was always kind of funny and, um, you know, really expected a little more from her, I guess, uh, offensively. 
those are the things you think about. You know, it's like we, we build these players up in our minds of what we think they should be, and they doesn't always work out the way we hope. It's just kind of the reality of life. So much of that that goes on. So many people out there that, you know, you know, and some people get hungry and some people get fed. You know, some people just think, you know what, this is, this is all we got to do. You know, I'm here now. I've arrived. I don't have to continue to work. But that's not the case. And again, I'm not throwing directness at Zaria Wiggins. But, you know, the most difficult thing to do in all sports is to predict and project future human performance. There are just so many different variables involved. When they get here, are they going to be able to handle the academic load? How are they going to handle being far away from home? What's their dating life situation like? Do they have a relationship back home or trying to hang on to? Is that one of the reasons that they drop out of school and go do online courses? You know, there's so many things that go on to pull on people that are really becoming adults for the first time. They've made the first adult decision in their life, and for many of them, they've never really been away from their parents. They've never really had to be independent uh, in any respect whatsoever. And so you get out there, and all of a sudden basketball doesn't seem to be quite as important. Or baseball doesn't seem to be quite as important. Or basketball is just not as important. Or football is not or whatever. And all of a sudden you've got all these people pulling on you. And it's like you don't have the time. Or you don't have maybe perhaps the self-discipline. And you begin to think, man, all I ever do is practice. Why can't I go have a good time like all my friends? And so it becomes a bit of a stressor at times. It's very difficult. Very difficult to project future human performance. And there's some people out there that are just simply ate up with it, Right. And so you look at them and you say, you know what, Julio Jones was a no-brainer. I remember watching his film for the first time. We had recruited his quarterback. When Julio was a junior, we were recruiting his quarterback. He didn't have any grades. We recruited him. I remember watching that film, and you're just blown away. Julio Jones, you know, Noel Devine is another guy. You look at you know, you just think, you know, there's no way these guys can miss. And some of them do. You know, it's like Mike Nemeth and I talk about all the time. You look at the first-round draft picks – you know, half of the first-round draft picks are complete bust in the NFL. And these are the people that get paid millions of dollars to go make these decisions. These are the guys that have the access to the best technology in the world. These are the guys that have all the analytical numbers. And they still hit about 50% of the time. It, just, it kind of blows your mind. And so if those guys are going to miss, you know, your college coach is going to miss a lot too. Not everybody's Alabama. It's time for the recruiting segment brought to you by our friends at Portico. I'll share with you guys before Brooks Bryan. Former Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryan. That's a guy that uh, you can count on. Brooks has been a friend of mine for a long time. And uh, I count that as a bit of an honor. I really do. And not just because of the fact he played baseball at Mississippi State. He's just a good dude. You know, I like to surround myself with good people. And so Brooks is certainly one of those. Uh, Brooks involved with Portico, one of the developers of Portico. And, and listen, if you're considering making a move to Starkville, there's no better place. It's so conveniently located just over a mile away from campus, right there off Garrett Road, 1.1 miles from Mississippi State, behind the Chrysler Jeep dealership. You make that turn off of 82 to get on 12. It's basically the first right. I mean, as soon as you merge in, you're taking the right, you're home. It's right there. They got a walking trail. They got the you know the pavilion area there for you. And listen, if you're looking to make the move soon, you need to go ahead and get on the phone with Brooks because 
there's like five houses left in phase one and then they're going to be moving dirt and kind of get ready to go in the summertime and so you know maybe maybe it's now not the time for you maybe second phase is the way to go but if you want the newest nicest construction you want to be in like a growing neighborhood it's going to have kids it's going to have people around where you can you know feel good about life or maybe it's an investment property for you maybe it's a game day getaway they've got whatever you need big time for sure give brooks a call today brooks is happy to share with you all the details that you need you can reach brooks at 601-416-8075 again that's 601-416-8075 make portico your next move as you consider moving to the golden triangle let's talk a little recruiting uh as you guys know since we were together last tanner bailey commits to oregon there was a lot of optimism about this, you know, for a while. And then I would say in the last couple of weeks, you know, things kind of begin to change. You know, one of the things that I try to do, especially like if I'm if I'm somewhat surprised, I never felt for certain that Tanner Billy was coming to Mississippi State, but I felt, you know, based on what I was hearing, State was in a good position with him. I never crystal balled him to State. I didn't crystal ball him until anybody, until it was Oregon, and that was the day of his announcement. And I think I got it in about 20 minutes before he announced. I mean, so kind of got there late. But I try to learn from those things. And so I went back and looked, and I shared this on the jeanspage.com message boards. I went back and read every interview that he's done for the last three years. And there was a consistent theme in all of them. He talked well of the school that the reporter covered you know what i'm saying so like if an alabama guy called him he was high on alabama if michigan called him he was high on michigan if lsu called him he was high on lsu some of these guys are really smart some of these guys understand the buzz and and listen they want to talk good about other schools but i kind of asked myself how did i miss this you know because i thought i had read everything but i was kind of late to the party on the tanner bailey thing a lot of people were talking about him when he was uh, a sophomore but it's clear this is a very intelligent young man so he never really gave anybody any reason to be upset with him but at the same time too he never really tipped his hand until it was time to make the call he goes out has an unofficial visit at the university of oregon of course no interaction with staff gets back 24 hours later he's committed to oregon so mississippi state moves on uh, Locke, Braden Locke is a kid out of Rockwall, uh, Texas, that State is involved with, recently offered him. I did some, you know, compared some notes with some other people that have covered him longer than I have to kind of get caught up to speed here. Uh, and I shared all those notes over on Gene's page. But the bottom line is, is that uh, the door may be open for Mississippi State. You know, there's a lot of discussion about Miami, North Carolina early on. Miami seems to be going in a different direction. North Carolina's being kind of patient with their options and and not really prioritizing him right now could change here in the next week or two, but you never know. Locke does not have any Power 5 offers from his home state of Texas. And maybe that's a concern for some of you, but here's what I will share with you. There are a lot of things in life that I worry about. And and, and let, let me be honest about that. There's really not a lot. You know, my lot is probably different than most. But there are some things in life that I worry about. Probably the one thing that I worry the least about in life is Mike Leach getting a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, you know, I got to get up and go feed the dogs in the morning and make sure everybody's in good shape. You know, make sure all the cats are happy. 
That's one of the first things I got to do each day. But at no point in my day does it ever cross my mind, oh, my gosh, what's Mike Leach going to do about a quarterback? That never registers with me. And so it's like people said, Steve, are you really disappointed on Tanner Ballack? No, no, I'm not. I'm not disappointed. I mean, I guess I'm disappointed for the staff, you know, because they had recruited him as hard as they did and they didn't get the kid. But, you know what, they're used to that. They're pros. Because I know that that Mike Leach is going to get somebody and then develop them. I don't worry about that. I don't walk around wringing my hands thinking, well, Mike, what are we going to do now? Tanner Bailey didn't, didn't come to Mississippi State. What are we going to do? Because I think Mike's already got that covered. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't need you or I to worry about that. He's got that part handled. You know, you want to worry if, uh, if, if Eric Sarantola is going to return to the form? That's okay. That's probably a reasonable worry. Us worrying about it's not going to change anything. But if you want something to worry about, worry about that. Uh, you want to worry, you know, that maybe Mississippi State men's basketball will never be consistently a tournament team. We never have been. But worry about that. Are, are you going to worry about maybe the women's basketball program has seen its heyday? Maybe we'll be good but not great. You can worry about that. But Mike Leach getting a quarterback, that's about as automatic as a car wash. I mean, there's just no reason to get upset about that. And whether it be Braden Locke or somebody different. You, know, you got three freshman quarterback on this roster. And so it's going to be difficult to go out there and get a bona fide blue chip. You may have to go get a guy that's a mid-level three-star guy. But that's what Mike Leach has always done. He's always gone and gotten those under-recruited, under-appreciated guys that have a chip on their shoulder, and he toughs them up, and they go win a bunch of football games. It's just kind of what he does. And so, again, there's no point getting your, you know, your knickers in a twist about quarterback recruiting with Mike Leach, especially on March 10th. And people would say, well, Steve – quarterbacks aside first they do there's still a bunch of them out there but if you're kind of holding your hands and thinking you know we got to get a four-star we got to get a four-star we got a four-star last year and saw you robertson that's not going to happen i mean that's this i mean the chances of that happening this year are pretty slim because you got a covid freshman and will rogers and you got daniel Grigg who's on campus now and then you've got saw robertson he'll be here in june you know, that quarterback situation, not especially advantageous. It's not very advantageous at North Carolina either. And that's one of the schools that Locke's still considering. So we'll kind of navigate through this process. I haven't heard anything about running back that really kind of, you know, tickles the fancy a little bit. You know, you got Dakota already in the boat. And uh, he may end up being the only running back we take. That's one of the reasons you take Hargrove when you did is, you know, you know, maybe he's better than some of the options that you're considering or that you feel like you can get. I've heard some people say, you know, and I, I guess they have different sources than me. I've heard people talk about, you know, the, the Samson kid from Dutchtown. Uh, I don't get the sense that that is a priority situation at all. I think we're recruiting him, but I think that's kind of a follow for now situation. You know, the Citizen kid, a lot of people thought we got a good chance to get him. Listen, the latest information Bill Embody has, that kid's going to LSU. And so – I don't get the sense that there are a lot of no-doubt running backs anyway this year. And then I think there's even less of those guys that fit what Mississippi State wants to do. And so maybe you take a swing at, you know, maybe another guy like Simeon Price. Maybe you go get a slot receiver type guy and say, listen, we're going to need you to run the football a little bit too. So here's what we plan to do with you. So hadn't heard a lot about that. Uh, wide receiver recruiting, I think it's going to be fine. I like the direction of the offensive line recruiting right now. We got to finish though, 
Got to get Carter Edwards in. Bryson Hurst is the guy that I think is a big must. But listen, he's kind of up and down at times. You know, that's going to be a long, drawn-out process for sure. But, you know, I'm excited about the offensive side of the football, but I really think the strength in the state this year is defense. I don't think there's any question. You got a big commitment from Khalid Moore. I expect Stone Blanton to be in the class. I expect Trent Singleton to be in the class. You know, of course, we got Gentarius Elam already in the class. You start putting this thing together, you start thinking about the options that are available to you and the players that are already kind of favoring you, and you start thinking, you know what, we got a chance to have a kind of a, you know, kind of a historic in-state class, kind of reminiscent of 2015. We went out and signed, you know, what, nine of the top ten? And maybe that happens again. You know, I don't know. It's, I think it's a, it's a really good year in Mississippi, so it's a good year to have scholarships. And so we'll see how things play out. But I'm excited about the year. I'm excited about the class. I'm excited about the season. And I'm excited about everything that I heard about Midnight Maneuvers. Very, very, very excited. And I think you will be too. We'll talk more about that next week. All right, before we get out of here, let me remind you, if you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's alphadogs, D-A-W-G-S.com, alphadogsthebook.com. And you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And I know many of you are already thinking about that spring break trip or you're kind of getting the, the girls' trip together to go down to the beach. And like, I'm, one day I want to sit down and do some reading. I want to read my way down there. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Get personalized copies of those books. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. It's crazy how this thing goes in cycles. I won't hear from anybody for two or three weeks, and then all of a sudden I've got ten people saying, hey, what's that link again? It's StarkVillains.com. Go check it out today. So we'll be back on Friday, and at that point we'll know if we're getting ready to play an SEC basketball game again. And then we're going to preview the weekend against Eastern Michigan. Again, I'm very concerned about the UL game. I expect us to win, but I think this is going to be a very entertaining game. I don't think this is a game. It's not going to be like the Grambling game. We're going to be playing a team that's going to be going to an NCAA regional somewhere and capable of winning that regional. I think this is a very, very good test for us. And uh, we have had several. You know, there's a lot of years that we've kind of gotten bound, you know, playing some really, really weak teams in a non-conference yeah, I think when you look at some of the arms that we face and some of the teams that we face, we played some good teams. We really have. I think you know getting UL in the midweek uh, is a good get too. But uh, we need to find a way to get this thing done and then help have them help us get that RPI working for us. All right, so I'll be back on Friday. I'm gonna go get in the bed, and by the time you guys listen to this, I'll be lost in peaceful dream. But until next time, let's all live our lives in, in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.